This week's episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. Today I am joined by the drummer of Cathartic Demise from Kitchener. Welcome, Angus Pike, to the show. Hey, What's going on, Angus? man? How you doing, man? On? I'm not bad, man. How are you doing? <laughs> not bad, man. Trying to enjoy this awesome. uh, this weekend, you know. So. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good to hear. Have you been uh, working at all, like during the pandemic and stuff? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I've been working pretty much straight through. Luckily, haven't lost. <laughs> haven't lost the job, but yeah. That's good, man. Cause like, dude, um, I, I've been working on and off here and there, but uh, mm-hmm. I work in AV as uh, as my like my uh, daytime job, and uh, we just I just got the email uh, last night actually that we're gonna be off for the foreseeable future. So I'm like, yeah, that uh, fuck yeah, it. I don't know. It's so up in the air right now with so much stuff. I mean, like, yeah, it's I don't know. I I'm glad that I have been working the whole time because I mean I I personally would I don't know it would have been pretty annoying just like you know going back to work and then you know being off again and then going back and then it's just like oh I'm off now again yeah like yeah it's that, ridiculous dude that's kind of the annoying part it was cool at first because I was working my ass off at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. Like uh-huh. doing like 70, 80 hours every week and paychecks were really nice. But I, I was just starting to get a little burnt out. So as soon as this hit, I was like, oh, finally, I can just like relax, relax. It's kind of like yeah. taking a vacation, which I never <laughs> do. So yeah, exactly. The only time I take it like a vacation from work is when I go on tour or have studio time booked or anything right, like yeah. that. So it was kind of nice that then when I went back. Uh, it was, I was just getting back into the groove of things and then we had another lockdown and it's like, yeah. holy shit. I know so many people that have gone through that, man. Like it is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I can't tell you how many people I've, I know who have been through the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. unfair, really. Cause like some people, it's like some people can't just sit at home and not do anything, you know? Like I know for a fact, like that would drive me crazy. Yeah. Just sitting at home with like nothing to do. Well, that's uh, kind of why we started this podcast. <laughs> give us, give, give myself and Derek something, something to kind of do. And uh, oh, yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, how many? Po- I don't know really of any podcasts that just talk talk about drums. I mean, I, I think that's sweet, man. You yeah. know, yeah, I, 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 I think it's so cool. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right, yeah. well, like speaking of, let's uh, let's talk some drums man yeah let's um, do it i'm excited about this actually so, so i'm i'm really curious uh what age you got started playing and how many years uh you've been behind the kit well actually uh so next year marks uh 20 years since i actually first sat down on a kit like i was four my dad introduced it to me when i was really young so he got me my first kit when i was four and like for like the first like few years, man, like I mean, you know, I wasn't taking it seriously. I was just kind of screwing around with it and like learning around with it. But yeah, I've been playing like most of my life, <laughs> and it probably wasn't until like in my teens when I actually like wanted to take it like seriously and wanted to, you know, be in a band and all that. Right? Yeah, it's usually those teen years once you like actually find some some passion in music and everything. Because I know myself even until I was like. 12 or 13 i kind of just jumped on every bandwagon there was as far as music was concerned right like jumped on a bandwagon like uh like what do you mean like music wise or like different instruments uh no i didn't start playing instruments i started playing guitar when i was 12 but like music wise even like as far as my taste goes whatever my 
friends group was into at the time i would like like we went through a huge like nirvana phase in okay the, in the okay. late 90s and and like even i have some albums that are like fucking boys to men and ace of bass and you know like a lot of like hip-hop and this and that like whatever was cool i was at the time i was just open to listening to everything until i like i found uh kind of bands like blink 182 and some 41 and I was like, I like this. Like, I actually enjoy listening to this. So yeah, that got me down the rabbit hole of like, all right, I want this, but more intense. So then like no effects and rancid. And then my brother opened me up to like Maiden and and, and like Megadeth and Iced Earth. And I guess I shouldn't say Iced Earth, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. But uh, yeah, for me, like I was always brought up like uh around people who love music like i'm an only mm -hmm. child so i spent a lot of time with my parents and a lot of time with uh with my uncles as well and like they're all music people they all listen to all that 70s rock they all listen to pretty much the same thing so when my dad introduced me to drums like i was kind of interested in playing rock music nice like, like that's what i was in, into yeah even yeah. at the, even at the age of four <laughs> well i I, I I remember like when when I first got that that kid I was like whoa like this is so cool like do you remember back in like the early two thousands like some of the uh, like the the music awards like they they would have stuff like Blink one eighty two and all those like pop punk and alternative bands like I remember seeing that on TV and I remember just always being kind of taken away from like the drummer so like even at that age so yeah I found an interest in it really really early on. That dude, that's awesome, and I definitely remember those award shows. I would like Much Music. I think it oh, was. Oh yeah, the Much Music Video Awards or the MTV Music yeah. Video Awards, like all that stuff. Yeah, man, that like that's my like early teen years when I was really into that stuff. So I used to watch those all the time. Oh yeah, like yeah, I still remember some of that stuff. Yeah, and then <clears throat> I don't know. It like I said, like it, it wasn't until like you know early teens when I was like. Yeah, I really want to play in a band and like play metal. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't told that like a few years later was when I actually like put together Cathartic. But but yeah, it's been quite a, a while now since I wanted to actually play in a band. Yeah. So oh, yeah. So when you're getting into like you you've been a drummer for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. What were some bands that led you down to like playing? metal and like were like early influences for you in my early in metal uh well some well, my probably my earliest in my the two earliest influences for me was like keith moon from the who mm -hmm. and uh and bill ward from black sabbath like those two guys were like my first real influences yeah before and before i like you know started finding drummers like lombardo you know yeah oh yeah 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 so like uh Dave Lombardo would be like kind of like your entrance into like extreme metal drumming. If, uh well so I, I, actually funny uh a lot of people probably wouldn't say this but actually Lars Ulrich was because <laughs> like Metallica <laughs> was like the first band that introduced me to heavier stuff. Yeah. Like I was into like Black Sabbath and and like Iron Maiden before I got into Metallica but it was when I found them was when I got more into like heavier stuff and uh and like more extreme stuff so yeah it was actually lars who who was <laughs> who actually wanted to uh or who maybe want to play like double bass and all that yeah so dude yeah. i i remember times because my brother's five years older than me so uh when he got into metallica was probably around like the the load era load reload oh, yeah so, like, but, but then he would go, he went back and listened to the black album and, and, you know, master of puppets and used to listen to like, uh, ride the lightning and, oh yeah. And, and stuff like that around the house. And man, I remember listening to those albums and it definitely, it was the drums that like really drew me into some of that, that earlier fast stuff. Oh dude. Like, uh, I mean, even though, I mean, there's a lot, there was plenty of other guys after like Metallica, who played way faster, who did more technical patterns with, you know, the oh, kick drums. Definitely. But like, 
<laughs> yeah, but like, it, I mean, when I first heard one, I, I think I was like 12. Like, I remember I first heard one and just hearing like the double kick rolls and that. It was just like, yeah, I got to play like that. I got to learn how to do this because I was just completely taken away by it. And then I I think it was like, uh, it was like Battery or Damage Inc. was like one of the first songs I ever heard that like really had like that fast double kick in it. And I was like, yeah, man, like. Yeah. yeah, I got to yeah. really start doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where it's yeah. at. <laughs> so then pretty much as soon as I got in, into like Metallica was like when uh, was when everything just changed for me. And I've just been into real heavy music since. Yeah, <laughs> heavy, fast, thrashy. And honestly, man, um, I I really like your playing style. It's kind of like... Thank uh, you. Like I, I would definitely I did a little bit of research and watched some of your videos. You've been doing more and more like playthrough videos and covers mm-hmm. recently. So yep. everybody go check those out because they're really sick. Um and I really like your your style because it it's kind of kind of takes it back to a little bit more of like that that eighties feel when I when I see your kit, the way it's set up, the mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. symbols like up nice and high. You, you got big like three rack toms, two floors, which I love that setup. That's what I've been playing for years <laughs> too. You know, slight slight more of an angle on them, and just like everything about your playing has that like aggressiveness that of that like eighties thrash. Uh, and man, like it, it would, it's awesome to watch you play. Like, uh, really. Well, is. thanks a lot, man. That means a lot, actually. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, the whole reason why I use a kit like that is just cause like when I first started off with a lot of metal, I just, I just love that, that look of just like, like, like the, the big kit and with the symbols high up and everything. And when mm-hmm. I actually sat down on like a double bass kit, it was like it i found it just it felt uh just way more does natural make sense to you yeah like, it feels more natural man. to sit with two bass drums like i never liked sitting with uh like playing on a double kick pedal yeah i just found i never it just it didn't feel the same yeah and i dude i was that way for years uh i i in the beginning kind of um once i got my own gear once i graduated to like actually having my own double kick pedal and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I had two kick drums, but a double pedal because my DW9000. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some guys do that before too, live. <laughs> yeah, my DW9000, though, didn't come apart into two pedals. It was a double pedal, and that's it, right? So right, yeah. uh, it just kind of made sense. And it was before I started triggering. Um, but recently, I was using my Axis double pedal because uh, I wanted to mic my kick drum to get a more natural sound and then I can trigger it and blend it later. But right, yeah. I switch back to two kick drums. Like, like, yeah, you can't really see it back there, but anyways. Uh, and like immediately I was like, this feels so much better. feels so oh, much yeah. better. Like just having two singles, uh, rather than the double pedal. And like, I don't know, looks wise, there's it, nothing beats having two kick drums and oh this totally huge kit. i mean i think at the end of the day though i mean like the looks is like the least concern i i i would rather ju- just feel comfortable <laughs> but i mean <laughs> but i i mean yeah i so many guys man i'll tell you like when i first got that kit uh so many guys told me they're like yeah have fun lugging that but it's just like i would rather actually lug all that stuff around to venues and whatnot and feel comfortable like playing it I've never mind minded carrying my kit. Um, I never. I I don't anywhere. mind it either. No. The only thing I'll say is when doing like smaller venues and when you're on tour, you have no idea exactly what the venue's gonna have as far as space. Oh, yeah, so, and I've ended up in that situation too. But I mean, luckily, I've always just made it work. <laughs> yeah, but I totally get what what you mean though by showing up to a venue not knowing what it looks like and showing up, and it's like. Yeah, you guys can set your stuff over here when you're uh, um, off stage, and it's like, oh Christ, man! I uh, I don't know how I'm gonna fit this over here, but like even that's totally gonna be mean. Yeah, even when you're on stage, you look at it and and there's like, oh yeah, just set up. Here's the here's the stage. And it's like, okay, so we're the uh, everyone's playing on the floor. It's just a a drum riser because that's all I can fit on here. And oh, it, see, I've never I, I've never had that happen, but like I. I don't even want to think about it. Like having to set up uh, like a drum kit like that in front of the other drummer's drum kit. 
Because you know how like some shows, it's like if you're the opening band, like you set your kid up in front of like the headlining band's drum kit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I don't even want to think about having to do that on this small stage and nobody can fit on it. Like, I mean, that would just be a nightmare, man. Dude, <laughs> it happens though, man. A lot of touring bands I've talked, I've we haven't done like an opening uh tour slot. Uh, we're mainly just done support slots or headlining, right? So, mm-hmm. but I've heard horror stories of guys saying like they set up the kit and literally have six inches of stage, and that is it, and they you have to make it work. Because you have the headliners and then the support band and all the amps are fucking stacked and you literally have like less than a foot of stage for yeah, the guitar and like literally players. Everyone is standing on stage like in a line. Yeah, and that's like, it. Yeah. like what are you supposed to do, man? Like uh, who knows? I yeah. It probably I unfortunately I will say it will probably happen to me, but I'm just gonna deal with it then. Yeah. Exactly, uh, yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, but even having a big kit, we always make it work. It's not like it's a showstopper, man. Like the show goes on, no. and, and then you you still alive the next day. So like, what can really be that bad? Um, but speaking of drum kits, what are you playing? What kind of uh, what kind of kit are you rocking over there? Uh, nothing fancy. I mean, uh, I'm just uh, I just have a Pearl Export. Just you know, nice man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not anything really high-end but it gets the job done it was like the first kit i ever bought with my own money so yeah i've had it for quite a few years now but yeah it's an eight-piece pearl export nice man yeah i know my uh my first uh, yeah. kit that i bought uh, was a was a tie kit and i recently have gotten a uh tama hyperdrive that i bought off oh. derek and which is nice but then i have a mapex saturn coming in june i hope which well, is- actually funny that you just brought up tama and mapex because actually after i retired this drum kit that i have right now with the pearl um i'm actually really really wanting to get a tama superstar yeah so yeah i i for whatever reason i've sat down on a few tama kits and i just i don't know what it is man i just the sound of them is great like it, it doesn't matter what shells they have they all sound great yeah, you don't you don't have like a, a a wood that you want specifically, like a birch or a maple. Uh, or? Well, actually, funny that you bring that up. Um, I, I I love the sound of birch wood. Yeah, but the superstars have maple, and maple is really good too. So it's either one of those two. Yeah, both yeah. fantastic and well made. Uh, I am a maple guy. I love I love maple. Actually, I think my uh, my tie kit is an oak kit. I want to say oak. Really. I th- think so i gotta look into that man i've had i've had that kit for 12 years now so really? i'm like uh i'm so i'm so done with it it's been like coast to coast so many times and i'm just like ah i just want to retire it you looking to buy uh, a kit <laughs> uh no not at, n- not the moment i random question actually if you don't mind me asking uh yes. what what is like oak shells like like what kind of they like what kind of sound do they kind of bring um, I know I, I know it can be really hard to explain, but it is because I, I feel like every drum is so different and like the type of wood is like one is is like five percent. But then there's like 95 other percent that is changed by like the the different like bevel on the edge or the what right, skin yeah. you have on it or the hardware that's put on it and like the physical construction of it is, you know, um, I really like the, the Oak though. Uh, if that is what they are made of, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, they're good. Like it's, it's l- relatively loud, which is what I really enjoy. Like it projects really well. Um, right. Yeah. I really like to use, but you, you need that for metal. Yeah, absolutely. You want that. Uh, I do hit relatively hard too, uh, so yeah. that helps. But I I do like having a uh, like a G uh, two Evans G two on top, like just a two ply uh, clear head uh, um, with the uh, the ring. No, no ring, no ring. No. Uh, the only dampening I do is a be- is like one moon gel cut in half and placed on two different oh sections. no no, no. Uh, uh what the hell is it called the black ring that's like uh it doesn't matter 
some of the heads have like that black circle on them. Oh, yeah, I think that's the uh, the EC twos have. Yeah, that. because um, I use the yeah I use those the two plies. Yeah, yeah, EC twos. Those are slightly different. These are just like a clear uh, two two ply head. Uh, okay. So they don't that that ring has like a slight dampening to it. Um, so right, yeah. it, it focuses the tone a bit. Yep. These I I prefer just to have clear heads because you get the natural sound of the drum. You're not yep. dampening it in any way. Uh, use two ply just for durability, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, uh, one ply on the rezo head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I dude, I I really love that kit. Uh, it it's getting pretty old and i probably could just change out like the the rims on it and everything and and oh yeah all the hoops i yeah like and you got to do that like every so often too because they just rust like hell dude it's so rusty and oh uh, yeah it's it's really bad like all those uh tours like uh being in the van and all the dampness and everything like they just Mm -hmm. uh yeah, um, I could probably change those out. It'd be pretty good. I had some issues with it when I was in the studio last year, which is what has brought me to want uh, a new kit, really, because I was I was really happy with it um, up until about like two years ago, maybe when I started having some issues with some of the toms not staying in tune and and everything. Well, I like I mean, like possibly, I mean, are uh, some of the toms like warped because i've heard before like 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 if toms are warped like 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 they will not tune like you cannot tune them at all yeah uh i don't think it's the actual like tom shell but i think some of the the hoops are are slightly bent uh nothing oh yeah that happens too yeah nothing that i could like visibly see um when we were in the studio but uh like yeah, over time, just the wear and tear and everything of it. Like, I think I could just replace the hoops, but at this point, I'm getting a brand new Mapex kit, and I'm fucking super psyched about it. So, yeah, actually, speaking of Mapex too, like I've never sat down and played on a Mapex kit, and I've heard nothing but good things about them. Isn't like like you, you said you're getting a Mapex Saturn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've heard really good things about those drum drum sets as well. I, I've only had a chance to play uh, Mapex a few times, um, like for playing metal anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe uh, when we played Valken, that was a Mapex kit. And there was a couple other times I did like kit sharing and stuff. But I picked up uh, a small kit, just a, a 22-inch kick, a 10-inch rack, and a 16-inch floor for uh, Johnny Nokash when I was playing with them. And right. I fucking absolutely loved it. Like as soon as I sat down and started playing it, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like this thing sounds phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. I I do put coated heads on the toms, uh, which isn't I don't normally do, but I like the the darker tom sound. So you see, man, I I never I never like the sound of coated heads. They're they're not they're not bad by any means, mm-hmm. but they're just. I don't know. It's just not my sound preference, really. Uh, I really like it for the style that uh, that band is. I would never do it for anything metal, right? Right, but yeah. Yeah. No, is- also, too, it does... I, I mean, yeah. It, it also depends on what wood the kit is, too. I've noticed that as well. Yeah. Sometimes certain heads go with that. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've never really liked using the coded ones. Yeah, dude, I've never Still been a good, coded though. guy. I've never been a coded guy at all, but uh, these Evans Onyx heads are work really, really well for the sound that I'm looking for. I don't want something that's going to be like super punchy or anything mm-hmm. for this stuff. I want it to kind of be like softer uh, to a degree because it is more of like hard rock country type of style. So yeah. it works really well. Um, but I, as soon as I started playing that kit, I absolutely loved it. Um, and it's a Mapex Meridian series, which they don't make the Meridian series anymore. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been looking for a 12-inch rack tom to go with it. So if anybody out there has a 12-inch rack tom uh, Meridian series 
in a, like a cherry red fade transparent wood finish because i want the same finish obviously <laughs> like <laughs> man uh, that's asking for a lot dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, uh, i know i'll pay you money for it though because i would love to have a second rack tom for this going from a 10 inch to a 16 is like it's it's pretty rough oh going going from from a 10 to a 16 yeah i have a 10 inch rack and then a 16 inch floor and that's those are my two toms and that's it so okay i'd like a 12 to kind of bridge that gap a bit (laughs) yeah Yeah, man. Uh, so what uh, what pedals are you rocking? I use the Trick Pro One Vs, uh, the short boards. I love those Good things. Choice, those, man. those things, I I don't know. They're 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 the best pedals. I I prefer direct drive over you know chain pedals or anything like that. Yeah. I I like. Uh, do you use direct drive or no? Yeah, I actually use the Trick uh, Dominators. Uh, oh, you use Dominators. Yeah. I oh, have those are sweet for, too. I think. Close to ten or eight years, I, I've had those pedals, uh, and I also have a pair of the Axis A A ones or whatever they just oh, the regular Axis ones. But also, Axis are classic. Yeah, like, like the, those are classic pedals, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I've never, I've never actually tried them out before. Well, never. I uh, I got a pair just sitting here, man. You're gonna have to come by and then try them out sometime. I I yeah I I would love to try them out. Yeah, because I've heard, I've heard, I mean, heard nothing but good things about those too. And um, I've actually found, uh, speaking of Axis, I, I found like an old. Uh, it was from like an old magazine from like 1991, and it was like a huge deal for extreme metal drummers at that time because they had like the built-in trigger on it. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah kits. Like, what's that? Sorry, uh, they're called e kits, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. I personally yeah. don't like them very much. I prefer the foot blasters over the e kits, um, but these are an older set of Axis pedals. So, yeah, I mm. the foot blasters. Uh, I've been kind of interested in trying those too. I'm just using the classic, you know, Roland TM2 with the RT30Ks for oh, triggers. Yeah. So you're getting yeah. every third snare hit triggered too, man. Fuck, gotta love it. Um, well, I, it does happen occasionally, but I I know I've used it for a while now. I know how to fix it fast enough, but like, yeah, it those things can be a real pain sometimes. Like, yeah, the worst the worst is when you're like when you just set up for a show and everything, and you know you're getting some misfires there, and you got to quickly act. Yeah, it can be a pain. Yeah, man, I use the I use those for a long, long time. Um, and honestly, I didn't even care. Like if it's, it's only on like big snare hits that it would go off. Uh, and it adds a little extra impact to those hits. So fuck it. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But like the actual like TM2 though, like the module, like I think it's a great module though. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you use for an actual module, but I use the, uh, Alesis DM5. Uh, Alesis tested true Alesis DM5. Like, man, it's a fucking monster. Uh, like, just you can throw it off a fucking 10 story building and it's good to go. I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a beast of a and it's like a full 1U rack unit too, which is perfect. I just put it into my my rack with with. Uh, my mixer and everything and it, it works fucking phenomenal i've been wanting to pick up uh one of the um the Roland. uh what is it the tm2 yep the tm2 yeah yeah just because i can i can put my own kick samples in there then this one you're limited to what's on the actual module so uh but i've heard uh some of the the actual module settings like some of the samples are actually really quite decent I found with the like like the built-in ones for the TM2 are garbage. Like you have to uh, like yeah. use your own samples. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, the the DM5 man. Uh, it was actually Shannon Lucas uh, when we were touring. When he was playing for Bat- Battlecross, and we did a little run with them. Oh, he, th- those guys are sweet, man. Dude, I, I he really like Battlecross. he filled. Dude, the sweet dudes. I love those guys to death. But uh, 
he filled me in on a little secret because everybody used the DM5 at one point. Uh, and he said that going on uh, like Summer Slaughter or like any of the big festivals, like tour festivals, every yeah, day yeah. you walk around and you're hearing the same kick sample everywhere. Yep. And he wanted to be a little different. So use the everybody who's using the speed metal setting. Obvious. Like, why would you not well, use that? It says metal in the name, yep. so put it on. It sounds exactly. great. You got tons of high-end attack, a lot of low-end thud. Perfect. Uh, but since everybody's using that, he was like, fuck it, I don't want to be different. Use the reggae kick, and it sounds fucking phenomenal. I the love reggae it, kick? Reggae it, kick, man. The, the, oh, wow. That's like, it. Does it still have like that... That punchy, like clicky, like typical trigger sound, or like I'm kind of curious to see like what like what that would sound like. Um, it has has more of a like um like a high mid smack to it, uh, rather than that like really high end click. Yeah, uh, so like that's what like most. Well, I I personally like those clicky kind of triggers, mm-hmm. but um, and I mean, you kind of hear that everywhere now. Yeah, like those. Yeah. I'm not an overly huge fan of it, especially for the type of metal that that I play. Well, um, you definitely can't use it for all types of metal. Like it's it's perfect for, you know, I find well, you know, death metal or thrash metal particularly. It sounds yeah. great when like you're railing on the kicks all the time. Yeah. 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 For for our stuff, I like it to be a little have a little more of a natural uh kick sound, even though it's like 100 percent triggered uh and i find the reggae kick uh gets me there like it's it's the perfect i love it man ever since then and that was like six seven years ago uh you told me about that and i dude i haven't changed my settings on it since. i gotta i gotta i gotta hear those samples i'm I'm really curious actually to see what it sounds like maybe later today man i'll i'll set it all up and do a demo for you <laughs> yeah I, I i'd love to hear that actually totally yeah man um, so I just want to switch gears a little bit and, uh, get sure. into, uh, like what your, what your practice routine is. Cause like a lot of, uh, cathartic demise stuff is relatively long, fast mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. So is there anything that you implement into your practice, uh, that is like specifically geared towards like endurance so you could you don't burn out like halfway through a song or halfway through a set. Cause dude, I tell you this, some of this stuff is pretty fucking intense, man. Uh, and I know that I myself would, would probably have a difficult time getting through some of these seven minute fucking epics. Well, <laughs> I don't really have like any kind of like some guys have, uh, like practice routines, right. Mm-hmm. That, that like they, they stick to, I don't, I tried to do that and I I can't really stick to it. Like if I walk into the jam space or whatever, I just kind of sit down and just start doing whatever I feel like in the moment. But in order for me, the one thing I will do if I'm going to like jam with the cathartic guys, what I like doing is, uh, you know, before they show up or something, I'll just throw on the, uh, the click, you know, at like two, 200 BPM or 210. And just kind of warm up my feet and just do some blast beats. That's really all I need, just to kind of loosen up my my legs and my wrists, yeah. just so I can go. That's really all I need. I, like I said, man, some of the some guys have like a huge routine. Like sometimes they'll like you know take a practice pad and they'll work on their hands for like twenty minutes and then go to their feet. I can't do that. I don't have the attention span. I'm like, this is boring. I, I got to go to something else. It's all just about like feeling it in the moment. <laughs> yeah, for man. Me. Yeah. I feel you. Dude, and um, I, I'll just say that um, I was definitely the same way. The only time I would do routines is I'd still be behind my kit. I've never been huge on practice pads up until... Uh, me neither. Me neither. More recently, I, I have been because I'll just toss on um, like some YouTube tutorial videos because I'm working on my, my recording and production and stuff. So like I, mm-hmm. I'll watch that and then just have a practice pad in front of me and work on my hands because there's only so many hours in the day and I, I really don't get a whole lot of time to practice anymore. So mm-hmm. filling in the, 
the gaps where I'm just watching videos or whatever with some hand exercises has helped huge. Because once I hop on the kit, maybe an hour or two later, my hands are already warmed up. I'm good to go. I'm feeling better about it when I go to sit down. Right. I see the only time I actually will sit down with a practice pad is before shows. Yeah. Like, like, like I'll, I'll sit down with a practice pad for 15, 20 minutes yep. just so I, I'm, I know I'm going to be loosened up for it because yep. I, because that's the worst. I, I've never had it happen, but like I've heard of some guys where they've got on stage and like, you know, hands start cramping up and they got to play blast beats. Like that would be a nightmare. Dude, it's happened to me, man. It's definitely happened to me. So, like, over, I I tend to over caffeinate um, before shows sometimes. Over caffeinate? Yeah, where I'll just <laughs> drink like way too much coffee. Uh, oh, then God. my my muscle response, I'm not hydrated enough. So yeah. my muscle response is is it's just not the same um, as what I think it should be. Anyways. Mm. Uh, but I've definitely at times, uh, more so in my, my hands, uh, in more recent years, but, uh, yeah, like for the most part, yeah, before shows for sure. Take, uh, I'd probably take about, uh, half an hour. I started getting a little more serious about it when we started touring more, uh, Um, warming up. You're talking about, yeah. Warming up. Um, yeah. And like doing proper stretches and everything like that. Cause you know, when you're on tour, you're not eating as well. You're not sleeping as much. So it's, it's really needed to make sure you take the extra time to warm up and and everything like that. But Mm -hmm. day to day, man, I usually just sit down at my kit and start playing and I'll do the same thing where I'll just toss on a BPM uh, and just like jam to it and make sure my feet are good before I start a session. So, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all I do. I would actually like to have an actual practice routine, and actually, <laughs> and actually stick to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. dude, uh, the what I tend to do is I'll set it at a lower tempo. I'll start lower at like one seventy or one eighty. Yeah. Um, I'll do. What I used to do is set up a session in Pro Tools or Reaper or whatever, and I'd do 50 bars at that tempo and then bump it up 20 BPM and do another 50 bars. Oh, see, that's really that's really cool, man, because now you're practicing, um, like, you know, the... Uh, my brain isn't working. Tempo changes. Like Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I don't and- know why I couldn't think of that, but yeah, no, that that's awesome. Cause like that, that can be a real challenge. Like having to change tempos, like, you know, so fast, like something so drastic, you know? Yeah. And like 20 BPM. And then, then I'll take that. Um, once I have that solid and I'll just do like, uh, rotate between eighth notes and 16th with my, see kicks. that's sick too. Yeah. Right? Like, like that's awesome as well. Yeah. Cause you have to make sure that your start uh when you go into your 16th is is just as tight as like when you're in the middle of it as well right you want it from start yeah and that and with 16th that can be very difficult yeah yeah the starts are and stops are some of the more challenging (laughs) bits sometimes yeah they can be a real bitch man yeah 16 yeah totally but i'll just i'll just raise it up to a point where i'm like maxing out um, which some days it's at 210 and other days it's at like 260. So, you know, um, but I'll just try to, when I'm really working on building up my speed, like that's, that's kind of how I go about it. I think it's a really good idea if you want to, um, get faster, more consistently, you should have well, uh, a strategy. starting slower and working your way up. You um, mean? Yeah, starting slower and you're working your way mm. up is a good way. Kind of just warm you warm you up into the tempo. But yeah. um like for me that just seemed to work. I tried several different ways of doing it and it just made sense for me. Uh mentally it made sense and also physically it allowed me to warm up before getting to those higher tempos. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing it, it was probably about like three or four years ago when I really started taking it seriously because i wanted to get up to those 
higher BPMs. And I felt like I was stuck at, at like 200 or 205 for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to like make sure like 220 was not even a problem for me. Um, yeah. So I started doing that and kind of taking it religiously because I, I really like set goals for myself um, and to, to get there. Right. Y- so, yeah, I mean, in order to, you have to do it religiously. Like if you want to play super tight at those high BPMs and like, I kind of kick myself in the ass because I mean, yeah, like I should do it more too, you know? I mean, so yeah, it, it, it'd be very hard for me to like actually stay, uh, motivated to like work on things regularly, you know, it's hard too, because you don't see the improvement immediately. It's when you do it, consistently then like two three months later you're like holy shit like i remember yeah i actually progress i totally know what you mean yeah yeah it's crazy so anyone out there who's trying to work on stuff don't be hard on yourself it takes time just like everything so you know just keep working at it because you know like you are getting better even if you don't see it in yourself yet right so yeah um, dude, do you, yeah, so do you play totally. to a click live, uh, like with cathartic? Do you guys, uh, rehearse no, to I a don't click? No, none of that. No, man. we don't do it live. Um, no, I, I mean, there was never really a need to, uh, I mean, we don't have any backing tracks or anything like that, but mm. with all of us in the band, like with Bennett and I, I mean, we, we always kind of said, we kind of liked it, uh, kind of like the old school way, just get on stage and just just play how how you would play it you know yeah i i find i have a lot of respect for bands who play to a click live i think it's very impressive i've never done that before but there's something about uh like an actual band playing live i i I don't know like just kind of how do i explain it like just that raw energy i i I, yeah exactly that's exactly what i was thinking of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah just having kind of more of a raw energy yeah dude instead of of being so so on you know yeah well it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh it wasn't until we started using backing tracks in crimson shadows uh actually we did one tour where we didn't have a bass player so we just (laughs) took the the bass tracks from the album and played them through a bass amp uh so luckily (laughs) well luckily you have the lovely alex now man Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> he oh, is a God. fucking yeah. Alex Snape is a gem, dude. Yeah, I yeah. I hand picked him. I one time when I saw him bowed, and we had been friends for a long time. But we Crimson was looking for a new bassist, and I saw him bowed play uh, in Toronto. And right. as soon as they were done, I was like, "Come, come with me. Let's have a chat." And I brought him to the back room, and I was just like, "Listen, you're you're gonna play bass for Crimson, and it's gonna be great." <laughs> <laughs> all right and he's like okay man let's do it <laughs> you know and that that was it man it's perfect yeah I, I the way you just explained that i totally just pictured his yeah i totally just pictured that whole thing in my head just him being like totally down for it you know yeah man <laughs> yeah, guys I I, guys down yeah. for everything and then he he did a couple shows for us and then he i was like man if you ever need anything you know don't hesitate to ask and he's like actually unbowed has some shows coming up do you could you play them and i was like fuck yes of course I oh will. You, you actually played drums for unbowed too. uh a couple yeah a couple shows i played for no them shit, eh? uh i didn't know yeah. that yeah yeah nothing nothing crazy or anything and uh, Just, uh, but, a little fill-in spot for yeah some shows yeah, yeah they needed a, a drummer to do it and might be doing some more stuff with unbowed coming up soon so really but uh i Let's not talk about that because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Uh, so. yeah, yeah, okay. Mo- moving forward, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't hear anything, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. So uh, I want to touch on this new record. Uh, yeah. In absence. Um, so you guys released uh, a EP back yep. in 2019. Yep, that is correct. Uh, in fact, actually. Around this time, it just had its second anniversary or something like that. Like, it's been out for two years now. Like, I think it came out, like, the 9th of April or something like that. 
Oh, it's nice. just passed. So, so like almost two years to the day, you yeah. have now <laughs> released a full length record. Yeah, um, has it been? Yeah, even though it's been two years, it's like wow, that's that's kind of fucked. Actually, I didn't well, think that. Well, twenty twenty doesn't really count as a fucking year, all right. And so far, twenty twenty one isn't much better, man. Isn't really, yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy, man. Uh, I will say though that it was probably around the time that you released that EP, I started hearing your name more and more. My uh, name, my personal name. No, the the cathartic demise oh, I, name. I was going to say yeah. my, my name. I was like, shit, what, what the fuck did I do? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, anyways, the... <laughs> A lot of people uh, in like the the Toronto metal scene and everything, because within the past like three or four years, the the Kitchener Waterloo scene has exploded with these amazing oh. melodic thrash death bands like Invicta, Raider, like you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm missing another one. There's one more. I'm oh, sure. uh, the uh, APOC dudes. APOC, yeah, that's yeah. another one. They've been they're, around they're for a minute, band, but they're they're another band from around here too. Yeah, man, yeah. like all these incredible, uh, like super professional bands coming out of uh, Kitchener, and I've gone to some shows. I've played some shows in Kitchener, and you guys have like have a really fun, cool scene there. Yeah, um, it's a, it's really cool, man. Like just all the. It's all the people like there's so many interesting characters around here that also make it like aside from from the bands like it like the people around here are just so fucking supportive of everyone like everyone it's just a huge family around here yeah man it's it's it's, it's great yeah, dude, yeah it's a it's a lot of fun um and like to go to shows and hang out and I know a lot of a lot of the guys from around there uh the the guys from Rippard as well oh yeah those dudes too yeah dude. like they're they're hilarious, man. Yeah, they're crazy, man. I'm partied with those guys and fucking love them. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, Kitchener, yeah, I, I, I would actually say, yeah, like Kitchener's a bitchin' scene. Yeah, man. Uh, especially, like, Toronto right now is kind of, well, with the pandemic, there's really not much of anything going well, on. Well, no, but-, but, I mean, Toronto's got a lot of good bands, too. Like, there's quite a bit of bands from Toronto that I, I think are really good as well, you know? No, but uh, I just... I. I just love the uh, the style that Kitchener seems to produce. Uh, everything the style. I I do. I feel like uh, as at least between you guys, Raider, Invicta, and even Apoc in there too, have this uh, melodic feel to all of your stuff. No matter how heavy or dark or anything, like it yeah. all has this like very melodic aspect to everything uh which yeah, immediately totally. catches catches my ear and and everything just comes across a uh, very organic um but at the same time uh it's i don't know maybe it's just right up my alley but you know to anyone listen i highly suggest if you're into melodic metal at all check out any of those bands because man like Everything's I, very thrash influenced as well. Well, too, which that's is, what I was going to say. Neat. Like, like everyone is kind of uh, rooted in the same thing. I, I never mm-hmm. actually really thought about the whole. Everyone, um, a lot of bands around here are like very melodic driven. I never thought of that until you actually said that. But yeah, it's it's bizarre, man. Like, like everyone is, uh, yeah, very thrash rooted around here, but has that death metal edge to it. Yeah, it, it's like yeah. thrash death. Uh, that's melodic. But all like at least with uh, you guys, Raider and Invicta, you all Invicta. have your like um, distinct sounds that separate you. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're all one band, um, and it's not I, just the vocals either. <laughs> like there are distinctness to uh, your styles that are different. I remember actually when when Bennett and I like started to uh, like like when we actually wanted to start a band. Uh, cathartic i i remember when i first because because he had some demos right that that he showed me mm-hmm. of like some songs he had written and i was listening to him like yeah this is tight and then i remember thinking in the back of my head i was just like it's kind of thrashy i'm like that's kind of weird that if we start if we actually physically start this thing it's like wow like we're kind of thrashy and who else is thrashy raider and invicta 
<laughs> I'm just kind of <laughs> laughing. It's like, how the hell did that end up happening? Yeah. Like, like yeah, it, like all this thrash influenced metal. It's yeah. And I, I'm not going to complain. I mean, like I'm a metal guy. I love all kinds of metal. Like it doesn't matter the fucking genre, but like at the end of the day, like thrash is my number one favorite, like anything to listen to most of the time. My go-to is thrash. Yeah. Eh? So it's so, yeah. So it's so sick to just be around all these buddies who are playing in these thrash bands. Like I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude. And, yeah. and all three of you guys, uh, there should be like a Kitchener, uh, tour. All, th- all three of you, you guys hit the road together and it's like thrash we've, across we've actually, Canada. Like <laughs> talked about that before. Like, like semi joking, some like, you know, not joking. I, I, Honestly, man, I, I I could probably see it happening one day. Like like the three of us just going on tour together. Yeah, like, I, I yeah, like I could honestly see that happening between the three three of us when when we can start touring again. When we can is. actually start doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, what was the recording process like for you? Like, obviously, you you recorded the demo or not the demos, but the EP before, mm-hmm. but. How was it recording a full length record? And had you had you been in the studio before, or is uh, Cathartic Demise like the first studio band well, that you've been in? Cathartic is like the first band that I've ever had any studio experience with. Mm-hmm. So, In Absence is actually the first full length record I've ever done, and um, I uh, it was challenging for me, like being in the studio. I'm not gonna lie at all. It was it was actually very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, as you know, like like you've been in the studio plenty of times, like you've recorded stuff plenty of times. Yeah. Yes. I, I think you you could agree that like you know, or any musician can agree that you know, recording is uh, is a totally different beast from just jamming with, you know, your your boys or playing live or even sitting down and playing by yourself in a rehearsal space. Like it is a completely different thing. Oh yeah, dude. And I'll tell you, like, like even personal experience, it hasn't really gotten easier uh, <laughs> for me. No, and so. uh, I've talked to uh, many drummers about it. Like I've talked to different guys about it, and everyone seems different on it. Like, like, like what you just said, it hasn't gotten any easier for you. I've heard other guys be like, "It's always been an easy for me." Some guys like, "Yeah, it got better over time once I got used to it." So, like, I don't really know. Like, I hope I get better at it. Mm-hmm. but uh, that's something I really won't want to get good at is being in the studio. Cause there are some guys out there who just walk into the studio and they get belt out tracks all day and like have flawless takes and maybe have to do like little parts over again. Yeah. But, but yeah, going like going back to your question though, like doing an absence was, yeah, it, it was a challenge, but yeah. it, we got through it. So that's all it that matters to me. Yeah. It man. turned out, I, I, I think it turned out good. The reason why it was challenging for me though it wasn't. It had nothing to do with me not being uh, prepared for it. Like we, a lot of the songs I, I'm just gonna put in there too. Like they were written around the time when we first started the band, and also written in the time when we first started playing shows. So like we were playing these songs for quite a bit. So we were well rehearsed when we went in. It was just keeping tight with that fucking click track and like playing clean. Yeah. It's like when you're playing that fast, like, and I thought about it after it's like when you're playing fast, like, cause some of, some of the stuff on the album is like, you know, pretty damn fast, but yeah, I did learn like just keeping tight with that click and most importantly playing clean was that, that was a challenge. Yeah, man. And it is. And it's something you like until you hit the studio and not only yourself, but the engineer and the rest of your band is like literally you are under a microscope at every single hit, every single thing you do. If it's not bang on, it's kind of like, uh, all right, you, you could do it better. You could do yep. it better. You know, every time, well, you could do it better. Uh, like, man, I, I think this is as good as it gets. Like, you know, well, like, like and the problem was too, is that like, it took a week for me to do the whole album. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it, it roughly yeah, it took about like, like a week, but like I don't know, Jonah uh Jonah from from Invicta did did our record. Yeah. He's really great to to record with, but yeah, him and I spent like 10-hour days just like tracking drums for it and like 
yeah, it, it was not easy at all. No, man, it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a crazy undertaking and uh, a, a nuts process, and I almost understand why a lot of guys are just going MIDI drums these days because uh, well, tracking drums is not uh, an easy thing to do on the engineer or the or the drummer himself. So no, I, I and I totally get that, but I mean, like the whole thing. Well, the the EP recording that was a whole learning curve. Mm-hmm. For not only me, but like for all of us, that was a bit easier. But no, I I mean, after doing an absence like that, some of the stuff I had to go through over and over again and all that, it just I walked out of the whole thing being happy with what we got out of all the tracks. But I was like, damn, man, like every fucking time I want to go into the studio, I just want to get better and better and better at it. That's it, man. Uh, so, like, hopefully, with every experience, you take something away that you can work on and, and benefit you for the next time you have a similar experience like that, right? So, yeah. And and I'm not, I I don't know. I I'm not too worried about it. I think it will get easier for me. I think I'll learn to enjoy it more too. That's a big part of it, man. Because like you play drums because you love doing it, and like the music that you write. Like let's let's be real here. Nobody's making any money off playing metal so (laughs) we do it because we love it you know so if you're not having fun and dude sometimes it takes a lot of work and it's not fun um but oh well that's totally true you know sometimes it's just fucking hard work to get what you want um so but dude i i'd say the album turned out sounding pretty fucking rad man so yeah i i i was quite happy with it too so yeah, I, I'm glad. Uh, glad I just fought through it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, there there was only one thing you could do was just fight through it. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Give up? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's just program the rest of the fucking album. Yeah. I, I, I would never <laughs> let that happen. No, no, definitely <laughs> never, not, man. man. Definitely not, dude. Actually, well, well, funny that like we're talking about it now. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, because like you have more experience, like like what are some of the best tips that you can give me? before going into the studio if you're tracking a record like i personally i want to hear more other drummers opinion on it well everyone's different before i hit the studio usually anyways uh my process is very different with uh metal like like crimson shadows or any other projects i do that way than Mm -hmm. it is uh with my other project uh johnny no cash and the celtic outlaws um for- oh, by the way, actually, uh, before we carry on with this, I actually saw uh, Johnny No Cash before. Oh, did you? Like a, a, us as a full band or as a yes. solo? Artist? Yeah, uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was that Chainsaw in Waterloo. I swear to God, I saw you on, on the kit. It was like a few years ago. Oh, really? You were at the show that had like 20 people there. <laughs> uh, I don't really... Remember, I've seen you live a few times. Now yeah. I think about it, but I can't remember who, where it was, or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't really remember a lot of shows. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry to sorry to interrupt in that. <laughs> so my process is very different because No Cash doesn't typically play to a a, a metronome. But when we go, oh really? The, it's just live off the floor type deal. Well, when we go into the studio, we do. Compared to Crimson, as soon as we get the songs written, before mm-hmm. we play them live or rehearse them, we have a, a click track. Yeah, because uh, we write everything now in in uh, in a DAW and, and record everything, so we can mm-hmm. work it all out. Um, so the processes are very different because I'm just jamming over the songs uh, and then we get into the studio and it's like, okay, like now I have a, a metronome to play to and it has a, a different feel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes we have to change parts slightly and I like to kind of like play with the metronome a little more, uh, a little bit more mm-hmm. like pushing and pulling rather than anything metal. I'm, I want to be as on top of that click as possible. Uh, right, so yeah. my my biggest thing is doing full pre-production before hitting the studio. So you go through, uh, and as a band, you record absolutely everything, you pretty much yourselves, and make sure that every part is exactly how you want it before well, that, heading into the studio. 
Well, that's funny you brought that up because I mean we do we do pretty much the same thing. So like you know mm-hmm. we'll Bennett will demo out songs on Reaper, right? Yeah, and just add like a you know basic drum track. But before, when I would practice to to the songs, I never had the metronome on them. So now I just tell them, I'm like, every demo you fucking give me, throw that click onto it. Because when we go and record these, I I just want to sit down and like jam to them. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's it. And do you know what? Honestly, I would say um, don't like not to encourage necessarily you to play to a click live. But I think it can be very beneficial to play to a click during rehearsal. Because if you rehearse well, to a click, yeah. it'll just tighten everything up. Uh, then you go and play live, you have no metronome, but it's already kind of set in your head. In you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's in built, you. It's built in your in your blood, man. Yeah, you might push it a little <laughs> bit because of like the the extra energy of playing in front of people and playing live. You might push it a little bit, but I definitely feel like it it tightens you up overall, so you kind of stick within the same tempo ranges. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. But definitely from- playing the songs to a metronome and rehearsing your songs that way before the studio is like an absolute uh, must. Uh, well, perfect. I'll, I'll put that. I'll keep that in mind from now on too, because yeah, like I said, I mean, I mean, you know, it's easy to play shows. You get up on on stage, you know, when you're fully well rehearsed. You get up on stage; it's a lot of fun, and then you get off, and you're like, that was easy. Yeah. You know, and like I just think in any way. Any environment that you're in while playing with a band or playing drums, it should all be easy. Like studio should should be easy too, you know. It should be, uh, but yeah, it is it's, it's, it's very different. It, yeah, it's very different. But at, at the end, same time, it's like it shouldn't be a bitch. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. It, it really that's de- the way I look at it anyway. It can depend on who you're working with as well. Um, but Probably, like, if, yeah. dude, no matter what, if you're pushing 10 hour days, um, doing drums, it's, it's going to be a bitch at some point. Uh, <laughs> cause those are, oh yeah, you're going to, you're going to come across. Oh yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, when I think back of doing in absence, uh, yeah, there was, there was quite a few parts. I could tell you that right now where it was just like, fuck, I got to take like 15 minutes, man. I'll be right back. You know? Yeah. You just got to stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to, man. I, I had a drummer here. Um, we did seven songs in, in one day. And by the last song, I was like, all right, what, like one more take. And he's like, nope, nope. I can't do it, man. I am fucking done. Like, mm-hmm. that's it's, it. And I'm it's like, not right, only right. for drums, it's obviously physically exhausting, but like, there's something about hearing that metronome all day too, where it's just like, it, it is mentally exhausting. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Like I think after, I think after when we finished recording in absence, I, I remember hearing just a click in my head for like a few days. I, I'm not kidding you. Like hearing a click in my head for like a few days afterwards. It was just, it was so burnt in there. Yeah. Dreaming of click tracks and, uh, <laughs> that, that's yeah, life, I, it, that kind of shit was happening, but I kind of l- thought I was like, Oh, that might be a good thing. Yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. I love click tracks, man. I I fucking live and die by the click. I wanted to get a beep boop 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 tattoo for the four wow. times, man. <laughs> I I actually really like that. That that's fucking funny. Yeah, I man. Mean, four four two. Like that's it. That's all I play. Four four. Yeah, four four. Can't go wrong. Four four. To be man. honest, though, a lot of this unbowed stuff uh, that I may or may not be practicing. Uh, hey, I thought, is, man, I thought you weren't going to talk about it. It's man. in it, it's in six it. eight though, or yeah, a lot of it's six eight and six eight. Uh, I'm getting, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to warm up to six eight. You know, six eight. I like it. Six eight is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's cool. I'm not really. I, I'm not a huge like. I'm not like a time signature whiz. Like, yeah. I, I have a hard time. Like, if somebody asked me to like figure out a time signature i it would take me like 10 minutes to like i really just, try and figure it out i'd just say four four then i'd count to four <laughs> but <laughs> like two or three times and be like see it's four four but actually it's it's not i actually 
I've never been that way because most of the stuff I play is in 4-4, uh, at mm-hmm. least up until uh, like three or four years ago. Uh, mm. And I, I was playing for this death metal band out of Toronto, and one of the songs was 7-8. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> and But I yeah, ended up of- loving it. Like It was my favorite song to play. It was so much fun. But as if you get off that click, you are fucked. So yeah, I, exactly. I I always love it when like when some musicians can actually like tell you right off the bat what time signature that's in. I think that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Like some people who can just you know listen to I don't know like like let's say a song was on and you know it's some weird time signature and they're like oh that's seven eight you know yeah that's yeah. thirteen sixteenths. No, that's yeah, a, like that's that's a ratchet size. Uh, <laughs> anyway, dude. All right, um, I think this is this is an okay time to wrap things up. I just want right. to say that um, cathartic demise new record in absence. Everybody, go pick it up. Uh, you can find it what on on Bandcamp. They're on Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Music, Google. YouTube, anywhere, uh, but check out their Bandcamp page. I'm actually on it right now. They have some really cool bundles where you can get uh, shirts and hats and all kinds of cool stuff. So go check out this new record by Cathartic Demise. Angus, thank you for hanging out with me. Um, no, man, thanks for having me on here. I was feeling really it's lonely. Really cool today and i'm super glad that you uh you know came on to talk some drums so hey man yeah no it was a pleasure being on here yeah man we'll have to do yeah. it again uh sometime soon oh All right. I, yeah i'd love that yeah hey everybody thank you for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed it make sure to check us out on facebook and instagram and if you're feeling especially kind we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two if you have any comments questions or even suggestions for future shows please let us know you can fire us a message and we'll do our best to get back to you catch you next time